Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome into the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Stormy Tony here holding down the fort in Vegas. The star of the show, Michael Lombardi, just a stone's oh. throw away from Philly and Jersey. Michael, coming in hot today, I imagine, after what we saw last night in Game 7. I am so, so happy today, Stormy. I am so happy because what makes you happy is when you see something coming. And I've seen this for seven years since that Ponzi scheme called The Process. Howard Eskin from Philadelphia and I are the only two people who have been critical of it and very outspoken of it. And outspoken about the greatness of Joel Embiid and about all these moves this team made. And the reality of it is, is no team can win a championship built on asset management, built on lack of toughness. Your Golden Knights won last night in Edmonton because they have mental toughness. The 76ers have been built. They're like the back lot at Universal. They look good on the front. You open the door, there's no house. They have no toughness whatsoever. It was a glowing moment for me because I've been preaching this for more than seven years. And finally, finally, some other people are listening. So we'll get to the process side of this in a moment. But I want to get your perspective on just... What happened last night, especially because it's a three-point game at halftime. Things are looking competitive. And then you, as a team, with an MVP, scored 10 points in the third quarter. Absolutely lay an egg. And it's like you step away from the TV for a second. You come back, you're down 30. Well, I mean, first of all, he was exhausted in the second quarter. I mean, he's out of shape. I mean, nobody wants to talk about it, but he's out of shape. He's never been in shape. As his career as a professional athlete, he's never been it. Conditioning has always been the problem. Boston came out with the mantra, we're going to run, run, run. We're going to get him out of shape. We're going to make him tired. By the second quarter, he was exhausted. As it relates to the third quarter, this is what I'm talking about, Stormy. Once a team built on asset management – built on catering to the players, built on never having to overcome any obstacles. Once they ran into something tough, 
They folded like a cheap tent. Just like he walked up the court. He and his buddy Harden walked up the court in game six. You know, once it gets hard, they don't want anything to do with it. They fold. This is what happens. See, talent is meaningless if talent doesn't have mental toughness. Talent is meaningless if talent doesn't have competitive stamina. Talent is meaningless if talent doesn't compete. And that sums up the 76ers. They're talented but they have none of the intangibles that make champions. And it starts with their leader. Well, he's no leader because he doesn't do anything that a leader would do. And Harden. I mean, the whole press conference afterwards where people said, well, you didn't watch the whole thing. You know, he wasn't blaming everybody. Uh, I mean, it it was a complete joke. Yes, he's going to blame everybody. And and sometime in July, he'll demand a trade because the heat will get turned up on him because I think people finally see through the facade. Embiid. 5 of 18, he's minus 28 on the floor. Harden has now shot below 30% when facing elimination six times in his career. That's an all-time record, Michael. He was 3 of 11 last night. And your tweet, your, I, I got to tell you, so it's Mother's Day yesterday. And I'm watching the yeah. game at my mom's house with my family. And I am afraid to text you because I, I didn't know what I, I was going to get. I was get. disappointed you didn't text me. <laughs> I was thought you would at least said, you know, I, but that's okay. I no, got it. Michael, I thought about it, but I was like, I just, you know, you need to vent your frustrations. I'll talk to you in the morning. And then I go to your Twitter and I end up basically reading story time to my family, going through your tweets, <laughs> reading them aloud to everyone. It was electric. You have wonder if Embiid's going to cry after this one. Cause we all have cried watching him today. The MVP and his partner no showed just as they did in the fourth walking up the court in game six, of course. And then you give the, the process equals the Ponzi scheme MVP minus 28 for the game. It's surely temple time. Everyone will kill Harden and bead was out of gas in the second quarter. You can't win a championship without mental toughness. MVP joke. It was, it was, just every single tweet Michael I loved it and I love that you have no shame in it let's talk about the process here though now because I'm curious who's to blame obviously well-intentioned but didn't work out and so you have go ahead go ahead well I mean you you know I think on on us when you build a team around losing when you build an organization around losing when you build an organization around catering to the players, oh, your foot hurts, don't worry, you don't have to play this year. Oh, you have ankle pain, sit out of game, no problem. When you built an organization around those contexts, you, you're basically never developing mental toughness. Bill Parcells has a great saying. He said, if you don't teach young players how to bite when they're puppies, they'll never learn to bite when they're older. Okay, that sums up the 76ers to a T. No one taught him how to bite. The people will tell you, in fairness to Embiid, people will tell you that when he was at Kansas, he wasn't this way. He got turned into this way. Money can do that. Catering to your every whim can do that. He's never taken conditioning seriously. People say, well, Lombardi, you're not in shape. I don't have to play 48 minutes. Hey, you're not an the NBA player. The guy can barely player. make it up and down the court. To. Yeah. It's, no, it was bad. I mean, the guy can... It was horrible. It's so obvious. I've been screaming how out of shape the guy's been for years. We have a guy here, Danny Pomeroy or somebody in town. I ripped him on WIP about not being in shape, and he's like, you don't know anything about his conditioning. I promise you, take his body fat. It's a joke. It's a complete joke. We gave, they, Kendrick Perkins gave this guy the MVP. He campaigned for him. And then he's ripping him on Twitter last night. Like, hey, Kendrick, if you paid attention to it all year, you would have seen it. You would have seen it. It was there. You're supposed to see it. You're an ex-player. You're supposed to know what you're looking at. I, I, I'm sitting here. I'm an NFL guy. 
I saw it from the beginning. It's a joke. The guys, the whole struggle, the whole organization's a joke because they built this organization, Stormy, on no toughness. That's why I hate them. That's why even though I'm a fan, I never bought into them because to me, to win a championship, you got to have mental and physical toughness. They don't have it, and they went the opposite way. And so now they got to lay in their bed. 112-88 final in Game 7. Um, the Sixers with Embiid have not gotten out of the second round. Five of the last six years eliminated in the conference semifinals. Um, 2001, the last time they've been to a conference final, that 13 playoff appearances, the second longest active streak. And now you wonder what's next because we talked about it yesterday. You felt like the team that came out of the losing end of this was going to lose their coach. And Doc Rivers numbers when it comes to these situations are not good Michael listen to this lost 10 times in game seven <laughs> double the number of any other coach in NBA history Pat Riley had five and think about the difference of coaching careers between those two Doc is 17 and 33 now in his career in series clinching games and the Sixers having a three games to two lead in this series he's lost seven playoff series with his team up three games to two no other head coach in NBA history has more than two and a lot of coach a lot of teams rather higher head coaches, Michael, based on the thought process of this is the type of a coach who can press the right buttons for a team come postseason. Doc, unfortunately, has done the complete opposite of that. So what's next for him and this franchise at the head coaching position? Well, we've got to put it in perspective. Doc's about trying to get in the Hall of Fame and win the regular season. I I've said this before today. Doc does nothing to prepare his team for the postseason. He does nothing. And when the postseason comes, he just grab bags. He didn't play Daniel House. Check how many DNP Daniel House had during the regular season because he didn't like the way he was playing early. So instead of playing him through it or coaching him through it, he stops playing him. But then he needs him in the playoffs. We'll put him in. He did the same thing with Maxie. Wouldn't play Maxie as a rookie. And then he needed him in the playoffs. And all of a sudden, everybody said, wow, Maxie's pretty good. Wow, what happened to him? He does nothing to prepare his team. Part of being a head coach is you have to see what lies distantly in the future. You've got to be able to say, okay, for us to win a Super Bowl, we're going to have to do this, this, and this. And it may not be related to the opponent you're playing. It's the same thing in the NFL. You know, we may have to do this. I said this all year on the Lombardi line, Doran. If I were in San Francisco, I would have been spending time in practice preparing to play Philadelphia. We were going to have to beat Philly. And we were going to have to understand how to handle the six-back offense. So as a head coach, that's part of your job. you got to figure out how we're going to do that within the constraints. Doc does none of that. Fire and Doc is throwing a deck chair off the Titanic. The problems are way deeper than Doc. Unless they bring somebody in who's not into asset management and who's going to demand that Embiid get in shape. They're going to demand that they have some kind of structure within their building that they're not going to run. Oh, you don't want to play tonight? No problem. Take the night off. Please feel free. You know, no problem. You don't, we don't practice. I mean, think about it. Harden was in Vegas and Atlantic City during the, during the time between Brooklyn and Boston. He just off. They didn't practice. Embiid was in a knee brace. You think he was in shape? You think he was in the pool working on it? Of course not. They're, they're lazy. They're entitled. Yeah, and it's just so crazy coming into this game. We talked so much about which version of James Harden are we going to get? Are we going to get the one that puts the team on his back and puts up a, a huge performance and is facilitating and is doing all the things? And it was just an absolute no-show last night. Um, how much, Michael, we only got about a minute and a half here left in this block, but how much now are the team really kicking themselves about this whole Jason Tatum and Markel Fultz situation when he shows up and drops 51 in the most important game? 
I mean, think about it. I mean, you can blame. Look, this all starts with Henke and his decision, I mean, his horrendous decisions in drafting. You know, all this asset management means is you got to make the right decisions. It takes talent to evaluate talent. I mean, think about this. I said this when it was happening. Why do we think we're smarter than Danny Ainge? If Danny Ainge is willing to trade you the first pick overall and he knows he's going to get Tatum, maybe we should pick Tatum. But no, no, no. They brought Fultz in. You can read the book. Yaron Weitzman wrote a book about it. You can read it. They brought Fultz in for a workout, Stormy, and they all looked at each other and said, oh, my God, that was a horrible workout. But that wasn't going to stop them. No, it wasn't going to stop them. They were going to draft them anyway. How about this one? They have some clown in the front office who's a part owner who says, you know, when you run the numbers, Zaire Smith and Mikel Bridges are the same guy. Oh, they are? Oh, okay. Well, Mikel's over. I don't know what Mikel's doing right now. I mean, Mikel's playing for the Nets. Meanwhile, Zaire isn't even in the league. They're the same guy. And so that's when they made that trade. Oh, it's a comedy. We got to step aside, but you know that this Game 7 will be a theme throughout the course of the next two hours. We do have NFL on the other side of this break, though. Connor Allen of 444 Football is going to join us coming up next. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to, like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. It's time to download Nevada's premier betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and more. You can download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID, open up an account, and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 4700 This is the Lombardi line. And so we're going to take a step back from the 76ers just for a moment. Michael, don't worry. We will return oh, and let good. you continue yeah. to vent. Okay, yeah. you good? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm great. All right. I couldn't be happier. 
today's a great day. I, I, I appreciate the positivity that you're bringing to the program. Let's push that forward with our guest, Connor Allen, who joins us now, sports betting manager of 4 for 4 Football. The schedule, of course, getting released this past Thursday, which has season win totals and a whole lot more on the mind. Connor, how are you? Great, Mike Stormy. Appreciate you having me on here. Uh, I mean, I know the season's a few months away, but uh, I think there's no better time to talk some football after the schedule release. Well, so at, from the betting perspective, what is the significance of the schedule release from your standpoint? What are the first things that you're looking at? Yeah, so I think it's important to note that a lot of people look at strength of schedule from like a last year's record perspective. I don't really think that that's too uh, valuable. I think that using win totals are a little bit more valuable. But specifically for the schedule itself, I think that focusing on certain pockets the teams have and kind of looking at their trajectory throughout the season is really helpful. So some of the teams that we've seen, uh, you know, this year would be like team like the Titans, potentially they get their schedule and the way that that was drawn up is pretty interesting towards when we could potentially see Will Levis this year. Connor, let, let's talk about, to me, New Orleans is fascinating to me because when you look at their schedule based on the win totals, forget about strength of schedule. I think it's their 31st in the league, you know, because they play against, so they have six games against teams that are not exactly of a higher level. To me, it seems like the over, I know everybody thinks 10 wins is improbable, but I think with New Orleans' defense, with stability at quarterback, with the running game, with Kamara, if they stay healthy, I, I don't see how they don't win 10 games. Yeah, I think that they're significantly the best team in the division here. So I think it's a great call. And then you pair that with that strength of schedule that's super easy this year. It's like those combining factors here look like a great bet to win the division potentially as well as betting the over on the win total. So I think that you brought up a good point in terms of like how to leverage strength of schedule specifically. The extremes are really important. So you're looking at like top three to five, bottom three to five in terms of strength of schedule each way. So a team like the Saints, again, you know, one of the easiest strength of schedules in the league this year, and obviously a lot of great additions. I'll, I'll keep it in that division with the Carolina Panthers because their win total sit in seven and a half. They have a tougher start to the year. So could that be a team maybe where there's potential for to see that total number kick down a little bit if they struggle early on and then buy in on them later? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're looking at before the buy, they're actually only favored in one of their six games before the buy leading up to that. So especially with Bryce Young there now, like, I think that Bryce Young will be a great prospect. It will be a good pro. But at this point, like the first six weeks are pretty brutal. So I think that that could be a good by low point after the bye, favored in three straight games. I mean, again, not by much about a field goal. So uh, I think that's a great point there and a good by low point. How, can you explain to me and to Stormy, San Francisco, her team, you know, they were, they were 11 and a half point with the over 11 and a half games was the over under on the win total. And then after the schedule came out, it went down to 10 and a half. Can you explain what that adjustment was from? Uh, honestly, not specifically. I think it's more about just the uh, uncertainty surrounding quarterback play and then looking at, you know, the schedule is fine, but I, odds makers are extremely bullish on this team. I mean, they're favored in 16 of 17 games, despite having some uncertainty at quarterback this year. And I get it. The team is awesome. You know, basically every quarterback in that system has been good. Uh, so I don't think that there's as many questions as other teams here, but I can't put a specific reason why it fell to 10 and a half. I still think that they're a great team. And as long as, you know, Brock Purdy is reasonably healthy for most of the year, they, I think they should win the division pretty easily. But like, that's the thing, right? You have the biggest question at the most important position on the field. And yet this team is still looked at as such a high Super Bowl contender, the second shortest shot in the NFC. And and I'm a fan, right? Like I want them to be good. I, I like the hype. Go for it. I just don't, I'm not really sure that it's particularly warranted with the issues that you've had at that position. 
Yeah, there will be better times to buy in on this team. Like yeah. personally, right now, I mean, they're one of the top-rated teams in terms of odds in the in the NFC, and I would just personally wait. I mean, I feel like at some point in the season, you'll have more clarity. The odds aren't going to go up. You know, if there's any more clarity in the in the quarterback situation, I think that you'll be able to buy in there. Or if they start slow a little bit, I think you have another good buying point once they do have a healthier quarterback situation. Is there another team that you look at and you say, like, let's say the Giants, can they be as fortunate as they were to start the season as fast as they did? Or even Minnesota, can the ball bounce as well for them as it did? I mean, 50% of of Minnesota's defensive front now starts for the Cleveland Browns. So those two teams, what are your thoughts? Yeah, the the Vikings particularly are really interesting because everyone noted like that last year they you know were scored fewer points than they let up. They were due for regression. They got really lucky and wins one score games. But at the same time, like the market's almost over adjusted. Like the win total is now down to eight and a half. I mean, they won the division by multiple games. They lost Aaron Rodgers in the division. So I don't know. I think that's a little bit of an over adjustment in terms of the markets here because they still have they still have some talent offensively and I've obviously the defensive talent, you know, leaving them was not great, but I think there's still plenty of potential there. The giants are a tough team because it seemed like last year they squeezed every single edge possible out of a roster that was, you know, relatively barren to start the year. Now at this point, a couple good additions. I think another year for Daniel Jones kind of in the same system will help as well. I'm excited about them, but I'm not, I I'm not ready to say that they're going to take the next step yet. Connor, I like what you said about the Vikings, and that does make me feel a little bit better because I liked their season win total over eight and a half. I I do feel like they're going to regress, but a five-game regression seems like a little bit more than I would have anticipated. When when you look at the schedule release as well, in addition to what we look at with season win totals, has this coming out influenced any of the other futures markets in your mind, whether you know it's make-miss the playoffs or division numbers? Has, has that given you any additional insight into some other markets? I wouldn't say necessarily into a specific other market, but one team that I do want to touch on here for, you know, the win total that I briefly brought up was the Titans, because if you look leading up to their buy, so they have a week seven buy, they're underdogs in six straight games. They lost plenty, uh, you know, on the offensive line is still a little bit beaten up. The front seven is really good, but uh, you know, there's questions in the secondary, they're bottom five in most passing metrics. And so if you're looking at a time for Will Levis to potentially start the win total seven and a half, but if they're going to lose the majority of their games leading up to that week seven bye, I think we could see Will Levis in week eight. And then at that point, I mean, the win total is just way off. Like, we don't know what Will Levis is. Could he be good? Maybe. But, I mean, again, he was a second-round pick. Plenty of other teams did not think he was going to be all that good. So I think that that's an interesting look on the under here, even though Mike Rabel's, I think, a tough, tough coach to bet against because he's also like a talent maximizer similar uh, to Brian Dable like we saw in the Giants. Is there a team that's kind of like, let's take Jacksonville, right? Jacksonville, everybody thinks that over total is going to come into play because of the way they ended the season. But really, when you peel back the layer, right, they they give up a huge lead to the Chargers. They come back, win that game. They struggle to beat the Titans with Joshua Dobbs in that game. I mean, it took that overtime kind of meltdown by Dallas for them to win. Are, Are we too high on Jacksonville? Potentially. I think the tough part is, is that the division is just so weak, uh, you know, otherwise with, with the Colts. I mean, I'm not ex- exactly as excited about Anthony Richardson. I think that the Texans could be interesting this year with Stroud, but overall this Jacksonville team still has a ton of holes. Like I think you pointed out here, you know, the offensive line is not a sure thing. The defense still has a ton of holes specifically, but I think at its core and something that, you know, we can go back and rely on is that Trevor Lawrence, I think proved to us last year that, he has the ability to like put the team on his back, to carry games, to carry wins. And so I still think that they're going to a good bet to win the division here, interestingly enough. But at further win total, like, I mean, they could probably win the division with nine to 10 wins. So that's why I'd prefer if you're going to bet this. I think that 
you know, like a, a division winning price is probably better than the over on their win total. Um, obviously, with there being spreads out for all 272 regular season games at this point, there's a lot of early opportunity. Were there any week one lines or just general lines that stood out to you that you already wanted to get in on so far? Yeah, one that I thought was interesting was the Titans Saints, uh, the under on that 42. The Saints beefed up the interior defensive line after, you know, they lost a few guys, but they brought in a few as well. And I think that they weren't as good as they wanted to be last year in the interior. They were above average against the pass as well. And then the Titans front seven, like I mentioned, is really strong. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot on the Saints passing game to kind of carry the ball there. And I don't think that the Titans are going to have like a massive high scoring game here against the Saints front. So, yeah, I think under 42 is a pretty solid look specifically. Uh, another early lean, uh, you know, I know I'm, I'm betting against the Pats here. I, I think the Eagles minus four are interesting. I'm a little bit lower on the Patriots right now than market, uh, you know, just given some of well, some of the stats we saw last year when they played good team specifically. I think their offense could be a little bit better in the Patriots, but uh, I'm a little bit worried about their defense relative to what we saw last year against good teams. Connor, we've only got about 30 seconds left, um, but while we're up against it, anything that people can expect from 444 football here in the near future? Yeah, we're releasing a bunch of uh, NFL win totals, futures, and everything in the offseason. Then we do a weekly show every week, breaking down different markets and uh, what we can bet on. Awesome. Make sure we check it out. Thank Love you it. so much, Thanks, Connor. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate it, Mike. Thank Thanks, you, Connor. Check him out on Twitter as well, at Connor Allen NFL. Has links to his articles there, but sports betting manager for 4 for 4 football. Interesting point there about the Tennessee Titans. And, and Michael, I know our guy JVT thinks the Titans could be in business as the worst team in the NFL this year. Um, but a lot more angles that we have to tackle in the NFL. Yeah. But when we come back, your guy TG uh -oh. is going to give us the betting lowdown on Game 7 from last night. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. So much to bet on in the next 30 days and for a limited time. VSEN's here to help you out. If you become a subscriber, got a great deal, just $9.99 right now. That'll get you insight into daily baseball best bets, the NBA and NHL postseasons, as well as getting access to our daily recap of the top plays made every single day from VSEN show hosts and guests. Plus, tools like betting splits to let you see where the money and bets are moving every game, as well as a top VEASAN experts leaderboard that's new, where you can view betting records, profit, and ROI. See which VEASAN expert has the hot hand. Again, you can sign up now for just $9.99 at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. We welcome into the Lombardi line now Thomas Gable, director of the race and sportsbook at the Borgata. The Borgata in Atlantic City, just about an hour outside of the city of brotherly love. And you said it yesterday, TG, a lot of people were coming in and buying in on the plus six and a half on those 76ers. At what point did they get disgruntled at the book? <laughs> oh, I guess third quarter, can we say that? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It was a little surprising to me yesterday because the the way that the market responded uh, got down to five and a half there. And, you know, here, even us being so close to Philadelphia, we have rarely um, needed the Celtics in a game and in this series. It, they uh, People just have not been backing Philadelphia game to game. Yesterday, that all changed. They could not get enough of Philadelphia. They were betting them first quarter, first half, full game spread, money line. Um, so overall, the result of the game was was good for the house, for us. Um, 
not so much the series. Uh, we 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 lost uh, on the series uh, future, and unfortunately, we still kind of have that uh, the Boston liability to win the Eastern Conference hanging out there. But um, I, I mean, look, I, I think. For Michael, I'm sure he's had his chance to to already give his uh, opinion of what happened there yesterday and um, throughout the year. But, uh, you know, I'll say this. For a team that had the NBA's leading scorer and MVP and the league's leader in assists and then to come in and only score 10 points in the third quarter in a game seven and only score 13 points in the fourth quarter of game six, uh, you have to really, I think, do some serious self-examination uh, amongst the players, amongst the coaches, amongst the front office of, of that organization uh, today as to what exactly happened. And, you know, not that Michael needs to take a victory lap around, but I think uh, Mr. Embiid's comments after the game uh, tells you everything you really need to know about where his head is and what he knows about as far as being a leader uh, of a team. Uh, Nothing really else needs to be said. You can just go back and watch his comments after the game. And watch the whole thing, TG, because people are trying to make excuses for him like he didn't throw his teammates under the bus when, in fact, when you do listen to the entire thing, it was an indictment. It was it was a, a, a passive indictment, but he clearly was. And he, account, he assumes no responsibility, but how could he? He's never been in shape. He's never really put the effort in that he pretends he gives. And winning the MVP was really the only thing he cared about. That, that was it. And I hope 76er fans enjoy his MVP trophy because they'll never see a championship trophy as long as he's playing because he could care less about that. My question to you is I thought actually I thought they would play competitive I thought the first half was what they would do I thought they would have lost it I was surprised how they folded like a tent in the third quarter because I felt like at least it would because of the magnitude of the game they wouldn't fold yeah it was certainly surprising and I again I think the first uh the first half they they did put out a very good effort uh overall um, obviously we're down three at halftime uh, after Tatum hit that three, but, and, and going into the second half, I was really thinking, all right, aside from Tatum, who they obviously had really no chance of stopping yesterday. Um, they, they were still able to stay in the game and, um, not have Boston just completely take hold, but I'm not quite sure what happened there. That was really inexplicable in, in the third quarter, uh, to only come up with 10 points when, again, you have the leading score in the NBA on your team and you manage 10 points in a game seven, it, it's just, it's unbelievable. Uh, but one thing I will say, their opponent, the, the Boston's opponent in the next uh, round in the Eastern Conference Finals in the Miami Heat, uh, while they will probably be overmatched at almost every position on the floor, I can guarantee you that you will not see a similar effort to what Philadelphia put out there yesterday from Miami. They will not quit. They they will continue to compete the entire time. That third quarter, by the way, tied for the fewest points in a quarter by any Game 7 team in the shot clock era. It was also the largest <laughs> scoring differential in a Game 7 quarter, minus 23. And, and you, you said uh, it. Tony's got the MVP, Stormy. 
It, Stormy, it doesn't right. matter. He's got the MVP trophy. I'm That's sorry. all that matters, Stormy. Stop <laughs> it. Okay, listen. Come we're gonna, on. We're going to continue to push it forward, though, as we're joined by Thomas Gable. Please, the let's talk. Yeah, I'm done talking about the loser. <laughs> but okay. I'm done talking about the loser. So you said it. We've got the Celtics and Heat coming up next. This is the third time we've had this matchup in the last four seasons, TG. What price do you have up there at the Borgata on the Celtics? I, I imagine a pretty significant favorite. Yeah, I mean, right right now they're five fifty, um, and but you are seeing uh, at least for game one uh, right now, <clears throat> which is going to be Wednesday night. A uh, little bit of movement there towards Miami. Um, opened up Boston laying eight now down to seven and a half. Uh, obviously, very early on, uh, so we'll see because that's a very similar number to what we've seen in when Boston has been at home against Philadelphia in this past series is at seven and a half. That was a very popular number there. Uh, so, uh, you know, is the market kind of viewing the heat very similar to what uh, the Sixers were uh, on the road? So uh, we'll see what, how that number uh, goes over the course of the next couple of days. But, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it's a tall task for Miami. Uh, again, when you look at the matchups, it just nothing really favors them in any area outside of, of the head coach. Um, and uh, unfortunately, you know, they're, those guys aren't playing, but we'll see. Um, I think the effort there though, and if, if they can get uh, hero back, which it looks like it's a possibility around game three or so that he might be available, uh, might be a little bit of spark, but I, I mean, this is really setting up nicely here uh, for Boston to, to get to the NBA finals again. Hey, TG, are you getting a lot of Laker money coming in? I mean, I understand we're always worried about the health of Anthony Davis and the age, the altitude there in Denver, but has that number shortened at all for the Lakers to win the series? No, no, it really hasn't. And I'll tell you, I think, um, again, it, it, it's a little bit worrying. I, I think if you're looking to back the Lakers, just how strong Denver has looked at home. Obviously, Denver has home court advantage here in the series, so it's it's going to be tough. Um, you know, Nuggets are five and a half point favorites for tomorrow night for Game One, and it's been uh, mostly Denver money that we've been seeing here for Game One. From one Western Conference final to another, the Vegas Golden Knights cemented their spot in the NHL's <laughs> postseason yesterday. Everybody was counting them out against Edmonton, but here we are, very excited. And tonight, a Game 7 to decide who will be in that other spot, the Seattle Kraken or the Dallas Stars. How are we seeing that getting played, TG? Well, obviously, Stars are big, big favorite here at home. And uh, I don't know, for a Game 7 to be a $2 favorite uh, might be... A little bit pricey. Um, I, I think people are going to take the Kraken just because of the price, it being a Game 7. Um, but um, overall, again, this series is a big one uh, for us in terms of the liability overall. We'd love to see a Kraken victory here tonight, not only for the series, but also uh, for the liability we carry on the Stars out of the West. Uh, so this one was a big one. Yesterday, decent result for us with, uh, with the Knights winning. And getting back there, I know obviously out in Vegas, probably not the same story because uh, let's face it, all the books out there uh, carry Golden Knights liability. So, uh, but for us, it was a pretty good result. We only have about a minute left with you here, but I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the PGA Championship Golf Second Major coming up this Thursday at Oak Hill Country Club. What should we know? 
Yeah, so real quick, if you're if you're looking to handicap this uh, tournament at Oak Hill in New York, just the, one thing to keep in mind, this is not the Oak Hill that we have seen in past years. Uh, they basically went uh, underwent an entire um, restoration and really back to kind of the original Donald Ross design, removed thousands of trees. It's been stretched out to 7,400 yards. So there's a lot more openness um, before kind of the, the tree line would very much make this a, a straight uh, driver course. Um, not so much anymore. So uh, take a look at um, some overall good drivers of the golf ball. I'll tell you, Adam Scott here at 66 to 1. He's getting bet, I think, due to price and just overall he's a great driver of the golf ball. You're the man. Thanks for doing this. All right, thank, thank you, you guys. That's Thomas Gable at Borgata Sports on Twitter, director of the race and sportsbook at the Borgata. Quick timeout here as we get set to wrap up our one on the Lombardi line. Turn our attention to some more NFL season win totals, looking at strength of schedule and opponent win percentages. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. BetMGM, authorized gaming partner of the NBA, hits the court with a special playoff parlay insurance offer. Place a one-game parlay of four legs or more and get back a bonus bet up to $25 even if you miss one leg. Enjoy the playoffs like never before with BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and parlay selection features throughout the playoffs. Log in now and sign up or opt in to get back a $25 bonus bet if one leg of your parlay falls short. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to please play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager new and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. 
Rewards issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, and New York. Alongside former NFL GM Michael Lombardi, Stormy Tony here. And, Michael, I wanted to follow up with you on something that we were discussing with Thomas Gable about the Celtics and heat price moving forward here in the Eastern Conference Final. Obviously, the Celtics are the better team on paper. It's a two-seed versus an eight-seed for a reason in this spot. But they do have the coaching advantage, in my opinion, in the Miami Heat. And they do have Jimmy Butler, who has proven to be this unstoppable force, scored 25 or more points in, like, every single game. And I wonder if there's some opportunity, maybe not to bet the Heat outright in the series, but the Heat plus one-and-a-half games at a plus-160 price. Yeah. Plus two-and-a-half games at only minus-130. Like, I don't think this is going to be a short series. Do you? No, I, I don't. I think the one thing they have, which Philly didn't have, is mental toughness. And, you know, the, they'll force Boston to have to play their best. That You know, Boston's the best team, but sometimes they can win without always playing their best. And sometimes Boston looks disconnected, you know. And I think to me, you know, yes, they're short on talent, but the way they're playing and the confidence that they're playing with, I think we take a look at that eight seed as if it was golden. And, you know, I think what Spolster said about having to overcome the obstacles, having to embrace the difficulty of the season has made them a better team. And, yeah, I know they might get Hero back, but, you know, they lose Oladipo. But I, I do, I agree. I think that's a better play than, you know, than anything. And I think, to me, the Lakers – are a good play in the West. I know that, you know, the Nuggets are, but I think when you have two elite players like the Lakers have that understand how to win these kind of games, that understand being mentally tough and competitive tough, I think that's a huge difference. Yeah, they're scrappy. They're fun to watch. I was even looking at some other just like series props that they have at DraftKings, like Jason Tatum, for example, minus 180 favorite to be the leader in scoring for this series, but Jimmy Butler's there at two to one. Or even for the highest scoring single game in the series, Tatum's the favorite, but Butler's there at plus 180. Like, I think there's some alternate ways that we can get in and find better prices to bet yeah. that series. So just something uh, something to think about. I agree. Because remember, I mean, the, the Sixers won three games against this team. One of those three wins came when the MVP wasn't on the court. I mean, when they were able to play Paul Reed, who's not as good as Bam Adebayo, but they play a similar way. They get up and down the court. They run. You know, and and they're athletic, uh, and so to me, and and it and they got and they shot the ball well in that opening game. Harden was spectacular. If Butler has one of those moments, and Max Struess is shooting well, you could definitely see them winning two games. I mean, it, it's it's going to take a huge effort because we know this: winning seven game series, the best team typically wins. It's not an upset, but. If they, if they shoot well, I mean, look, Philly gave them the blueprint. When you spread the court, you can run it with them. Maybe you just got to shoot well. Yeah, and I mean, the Celtics, for as good as they are, they haven't exactly looked like world beaters either. There's been moments where they've been vulnerable, and we've seen it. Okay, but let's get back to the NFL. Sorry for going off on another NBA tangent. Just wanted to ask. But I want to further our conversation we had with Connor Allen of 444 Football mm-hmm. a little bit earlier, looking at some of these season win totals and analyzing not just the opponent win percentage from last season, but we are a betting network and we're looking at season win totals. So why not dive deeper into the average opponent win total 
for these teams. And, and DraftKings does a really good job of laying it out. There's also like different comparisons that they have if you go to DK Nation with Super Bowl odds and doing the opponent percentages based on those numbers as well. But some things that obviously stood out as we go through this are, you know, the teams like the Patriots, the Dolphins and Bills who play in a tough division are going to have the more difficult schedule teams that play in the NFC South with the Saints and Falcons and Panthers a little bit easier. But the NFC East is where we saw the biggest disparity, I would say, Michael, between opponent win percentage and opponent win totals. The Philadelphia Eagles, the greatest example, who have on paper the most difficult schedule from opponent win percentage, but 24th in season win totals for opponents. That's kind of wild. Yeah, it is. And and a lot of that, I think, is – I think the – Adding the win totals is more relevant. Last year is last year. Then is then. Now is now. And I think we get too caught up. Well, last year, you know, the Giants were a playoff team. Are they really? You know, were they really? Minnesota was a playoff team. Were they really? I mean, you know, Tampa was a playoff team. Really? You know, and so who's playing quarter? They were a playoff team because Brady was there and Brady barely could get them to there. So I think to me, you almost have to separate last year. I know it's kind of, it's a, it's a habit that we use, but I don't think it's a good habit. I think it's a bad habit. And I think you got to kind of get away from it. I think Philly, I I mean, I I know their win total is high, but I think I don't see how Philly loses four games. It's going to be hard. They're a hard team to play. So when they play against teams that haven't played them, like New England, Buffalo, the Jets, and Miami, they have an advantage because unless you have time to prepare for Philadelphia, it's a hard team to play because the, the way they run the ball with their quarterback. It's the same thing with San Francisco. You know, you could say, well, they don't have a quarterback. Well, they can win with their defense, and they got a kicker. Mm-hmm. They got a really good kicker, and they drafted this kid in the third round, and, and to me, a good defense and a kicker means you win a lot of close games. I, I was shocked their number went down. I would bet it back over 10.5. Yeah, I, I like that number a whole lot better in the 49ers to Connor's point earlier, favored in 16 of 17 games this year. And in terms of the opponent win total average for the teams that they are facing this year, tied for 28th on the easiest side of things for the San Francisco 49ers. So that feels like a good over. I just, I really am. And we've come back to it time and time again, Michael. I am so curious to see how this quarterback situation is going to play out in training camp. Yeah. I mean, look, Kyle has no choice. I mean, if, if Purdy can throw, he's the starter. I mean, the guy won more games for them than, you know, Trey Lance has even – he's played better in every game than Lance played him once. So that's the easy one. To me, I think this is going to be a lot of the comfortability of can we run our offense if Purdy's not healthy? And I think Darnold gives him the best chance. I don't think Darnold's great, and I'm not suggesting Darnold's going to be the third pick in the draft and carry a team. What I am suggesting is – that Darnold can manage the team effectively. The one thing we do know from watching Brock Purdy play is we know that Kyle makes the game really easy for the quarterback, that it, it becomes a simpler game. Now, when he's had to play with guys that have them great play, Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard and those guys, it hasn't been easy. But we're talking – Darnold's better than those guys. And, you know, Lance is just a different guy because he doesn't have very much experience. I mean, the guy hasn't played at all. Hey, I still wanted Mac Jones in that draft instead of Trey Lance, which maybe is a good segue to take a look at the New England Patriots here, who, regardless of what you're using, seems like their strength of schedule is going to be really, really tough coming into this season. Their win total set at seven and a half. They have a very 
loaded start of the season. I think it's front end of the schedule and back end. Week one, they have the Eagles. Week two, Dolphins. Week three, at the Jets. Week four, at the Cowboys. Week five, the Saints. Week six, at the Raiders. And week seven, at the Bills. And then three of their last four weeks, Chiefs on Monday Night Football, at the Bills versus Jets, and also have Denver mixed in there week 16. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's hard, but, you know, they're going to be a better team. I think when you break down their team, they've improved in the offensive line. You know, they're going to be better on offense. And as I've said last year, you know, had they had a better offensive line or protected Max Jones, Mac Jones better, I think there's better continuity. And I think they had a good draft. They finally got a corner that's got some size in Gonzalez that will help them a lot. And the, the linebacker, Marpy, the kid they drafted from Sac State, gives them another in-the-box player who can run really fast and help against these six-back offenses. So, you know, the good thing the Patriots have going for them is everybody's counting them out. Nobody thinks they're going to win a game. You know, everybody thinks they might be competing for Caleb Williams and have the first pick in the draft. I don't think that. I think they've got a good team. I think they've gotten better defensively. And, look, all these games are hard. When you're, going to the, when you're in the AFC, I don't think you have an easy schedule. The North's hard. You know, with Watson, and he's got to play. I mean, all these teams are going to play better, I think, with the quarterbacking. It's the NFC is where you get the break. Well, and truthfully, Michael, it's still the NFL at the end of the regular at the at the end of the day. Yeah. It's not going to be a cakewalk for anybody, but some teams certainly have more of a gauntlet than others. Um, any other team that stands out to you? We only got about thirty seconds left. We we can revisit this though. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I like Carolina too. I love New Orleans on their over total. I know it's nine and a half, and they made it hard, but I think New Orleans in that division in the NFC. There's going to be some surprises in the NFC. You know, and it doesn't sound right. Like last year, if I said to you, Jacksonville, I would have laughed at you. They made it. No, no question about that. We have to step aside before we step into Michael Lombardi's office to kick off hour two. I have a weird feeling that our audience already knows who the first person is that has an appointment. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Doc Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. At- 